Welcome to Damn Good Movie Memories with your host, Ryan Davis. This podcast is the cure for your long commute and super boring work day. Universal, the studio that brought you such classic motion pictures as All Quiet on the Western Front, E.T., the Extraterrestrial, and Out of Africa, is proud to present Amazon Women on the Moon. Featuring Steve Gutenberg, Rosanna Arquette, Lou Jacoby. Where am I? Pretty scary, huh? Ooh. Ed Begley Jr., B.B. King. Did you know that every seven minutes a black person is born in this country without soul? Tiger yellow ribbon round the old oak tree. Russ Meyer, Ralph Bellamy, Monique Gabrielle. I bet I know what you want. Griffin Dunn. Steve Forrest, Sybil Danning. Oh, Steve, save yourself. Henry Silva, Steve Allen, Kelly Preston, Carrie Fisher, and Arsenio Hall. Amazon Women on the Moon. I've seen enough, Doctor. I know you have, but have you? Amazon Women on the Moon. The new film from directors Joe Dante, Carl Gottlieb, Peter Horton, John Landis, and Robert Weiss. Hey there, it's Brian Davis, and for this week's episode, we're going to cover the movie Amazon Women on the Moon from 1987. The studio is Universal Pictures. The release date was September 18, 1987. The running time was 85 minutes, and it was rated R. The budget was $5 million, and the box office took in a paltry 548000 making it the 194th-ranked movie of 1987. Rotten Tomatoes gives it 63% fresh from 19 reviews. Roger Ebert at the time did not like the film and gave it half a star out of four. Here's his review. The film takes the form of a random stroll through television, sometimes reproducing the surrealistic sensation of channel hopping itself, in which game show contestants begin sentences that are completed by Bugs Bunny. Five different directors handled the episodes, which are populated by a cross-section of showbiz celebrities. And the centerpiece is a satire on a 1950s science fiction movie named, of course, Amazon Women on the Moon. The Amazon segments were directed by Robert K. Weiss, who gets a lot of the subtle physical details right. For example, the actors keep walking past the same rocks on their little set, and the control room of their rocket ship is furnished with the typing chairs from an office supply store. But is this satire really necessary? Actually, grade Z 1950 science fiction movies already have covered this territory more convincingly. Among the film's other targets are Playboy video centerfolds, hospital soap operas, the singles dating scene, and TV charity marathons, including an appeal by B.B. King on behalf of Blacks Without Soul. The funniest episode is probably Son of the Invisible Man, directed by Carl Gottlieb. I also like the new angle that Joe Dante found for satirizing TV movie criticism shows. The usual approach is to show the battling critics rolling around on the floor choking each other. Dante's episodes have them teaming up to mercilessly criticize the miserable life of one of their viewers, who dies in front of the set and in a subsequent scene is buried at a celebrity roast with Henny Yugman, Rip Taylor, and Charlie Callis telling jokes over his corpse. Although many of the sketches contain an original and even funny comic idea, they go on too long without fresh ammunition. 
There was perhaps a time 20 years ago when the sophomorism of Amazon women on the moon might have seemed faintly daring, but even Mad Magazine has moved on from simple satire to more off-center views of its subjects. Satirists are in trouble when their subjects are funnier than they are. My notion for a funny movie about American television would be quite simply a compilation film, a series of real moments from real programs presented without comment. I have a feeling we won't be able to believe our eyes. And that's the end of Ebert's review. And actually, that last sentence is totally true when it comes to reality television. He kind of called it. What's funny enough is Joe Dante actually did Ebert's idea many years prior to Amazon Women on the Moon, but more on that later. While I understand Ebert's criticism, and they're definitely valid, I enjoy the film far more than he did. I wouldn't say it's as good as Kentucky Fried Movie, and definitely not as good as Airplane, but this is a hidden gem that I think many missed out on. And even if you don't like every sketch, you'll likely enjoy a few, a lot. And as you'll find out, some of the sketches were way ahead of their time. Okay, let's get into the making of the film. So according to director John Landis, Universal Studios had no idea to do with the film since it would cost more for them to release the film with all the marketing than what the film actually cost to make. So Landis suggested releasing it directly to home video, and it did fairly well considering the lack of promotion. So, But keep in mind, the totals I gave you were box office totals. That didn't count rentals. Director Joe Dante was involved later than the other directors, and according to Dante, by that point, most of the skits had already been assigned. Dante, due to his love of classic horror, of course wanted Son of the Invisible Man, but it had already been given to Carl Gottlieb. Gottlieb was best known as a TV show writer for the Smothers Brothers. He also wrote the screenplay to the original Jaws, along with the sequel, The Jerk, Dr. Detroit, and Jaws 3D. Ironically, in the 1960s, before Dante's career really started, he created a film called The Movie Orgy, which was essentially a number of low-budget, late-night film clips, seven hours worth, made to look like channel surfing, which is kind of what Ebert suggested in his review for Amazon Women on the Moon. Now, the two writers on the film were Michael Berry and Jim Mulholland, who were Johnny Carson's head writers at one point on The Tonight Show. They love writing film parodies, and Landis eventually hired them to write the film Oscar, which starred Sylvester Stallone. So the main four directors of Landis, Dante, Gottlieb, and Robert Weiss are all such classic film buffs that Amazon Women on the Moon really is their humorous homage to all the films that inspired them growing up and what influenced them to actually become directors. Landis's main priority at the time was the film Three Amigos with Chevy Chase, Steve Martin, and Martin Short. So Amazon really wasn't a huge priority for him. Therefore, his skits were filmed and edited first, and then everything else came later. Dante was disappointed that he wasn't allowed to shoot on the Universal lot, which he had great ideas for his scenes to be filmed at instead of a smaller location that was not as inspiring as he had hoped. But once he started filming, all the acting talent made things much better, according to him. Funny enough, all through shooting, there was never any title for the film. Even in post-production, it was untitled. So they had a contest to try to come up with a better title than the throwaway title of Amazon Women on the Moon. And so these titles included <laughs> Naughty Bits, Rim Shots, Hairy Tales, Chop Liver, Skid Marks, Meat Dreams, Movie on a Stick, Begging for Laughs, Nose Hairs and Other Short Subjects, Neon Leon Presents, <laughs> Madam Q-Tip's House of Earwax, The First Intergalactic Joke Off, and Best Picture of the Year, which Joe Dante liked because... Best would be, every film would have to be mentioned as Best Picture of the Year. I mean, it's kind of a no-brainer. So it took almost three years for this film to be released because it was originally filmed in 1985. Okay, let's get into the film. So unlike 
other films where I kind of give you know the synopsis and cut it off at some point. This is different. I'm just going to go through each skit and kind of give you a background on what it is, and then if there's a clip, I'll play it. Okay, the first one is Mondo Condo, which stars Arsenio Hall, and it was directed by John Landis. So this skit, it's purely slapstick visual gags. There's no need for an audio clip. Essentially, Arsenio Hall has the worst experience ever in his apartment. He keeps getting a phone call from a guy asking for Thelma, which is an obvious wrong number. Then the beer he opens from the fridge just explodes in his face. The sandwich bread is stale. He then spits it out in the sink and then runs the garbage disposal. His tie then gets caught in the garbage disposal and almost chokes him to death. Then the phone rings, and it's the same guy asking for Thelma. Arsenio then tries to watch a video on his VCR, but it's not plugged in. He's then shocked, like in a Looney Tunes cartoon when plugging in the VCR. Next, he puts the tape in, and it spits it right back at him, right in his face. Next, he turns on the television, and then it explodes. He then grabs a magazine from the bookshelf, and then the shelf falls on top of him. Then the phone rings again, and it's the Thelma guy. After angrily hanging up the phone, he steps in a waste paper basket and then falls out the window. (laughs) The end. What? Ain't no fucking Thelma here, man! Look, the bitch don't live here! Fuck you two! At the time, Arsenio Hall was just a young stand-up comedian. He wasn't really well-known at all. That would come a year later when he appeared in, of course, Coming to America with his buddy, Eddie Murphy. Next is Penthouse Video, starring Monique Gabrielle and directed by Carl Gottlieb. This is 80s movie nudity at its finest. You see, kids, before the internet, something as basic as a gratuitous topless scene in a feature film, well, that was highly sought after. This skit is a penthouse pet walking around town in her daily life, but she's completely nude. The funniest being her sitting at church with nobody batting an eye. (laughs) The TV version had uh, Monique Gabrielle in lingerie instead of being fully nude. Next is Murray in Videoland, played by Lou Jacoby, Phil Hartman, and it was directed by Robert Wise. So we cut to an old guy named Murray and his wife Peter tank top and old man boxer shorts. And he's watching on his television the same penthouse video, which we just saw. Murray is so happy with his reception of his new television. Then his wife comes in the room and complains that Murray hasn't left the house in two weeks. All of a sudden, Murray's new remote control jams and he's transported into the TV set. His wife sort of panics, but then enjoys seeing Murray inside the television while she randomly changes the station, like a live Major League Baseball game, then a Huey Lewis video, and then the original King Kong movie from 1933. But then he ends up in the penthouse video, and his wife is less than thrilled. He's then taken to the movie Bambi. (laughs) Next, he's on Air Force One with President Ronald Reagan and Nancy Reagan. And of course, Murray is then taken into custody by the Secret Service. Next is Hospital, starring Michelle Pfeiffer, Peter Horton, and Griffin Dunn, and it was directed by John Landis. So Michelle Pfeiffer and Peter Horton are in the hospital after the birth of their son. However, their doctor, played by Griffin Dunn, well, he's insane. I'm so proud of you, Brenda, getting through the delivery without any anesthetic. Well, I had the best Lamas coach in the world. But when do we get to see the baby? It's been eight hours. 
Well, now, now you remember the film they showed us in class. There, there's all kinds of tests they have to perform on a newborn child. So... Ah, there's my favorite couple. Mr. and Mrs. Flanders. That's Landers. Right, right. Flanders is your remake poisoning on 39. So, um, nice stitch work, if I say so myself. Uh, doctor, we'd like to see our son. The nurses keep giving us the runaround. I'd like nothing better than to bring you both your son, but have you looked around this hospital? There are sick people here. I just saw this old guy in the hallway with these gnarly scabs all over his body. Gross me out. I'm not about to expose your little Jeffrey. Nicholas. To that. I've got a solemn oath to uphold here. Doctor, Brenda and I are both Lamaze graduates, and we've never heard of quarantining a healthy infant before. Ooh, Lamaze. Well, I forgot that you spent three whole weekends sitting on a floor learning how to breathe. I had to get by on a degree from Harvard Medical School. Please, doctor, it's important to us to see our child. You've heard of bonding. Doctor, we'd like to spend a little quality time with our son, please. A little quality time with your son? That'd be beautiful. You people. Uh, what's with that guy? He's supposed to be the top man in his field. Well, when he brings in little Jeffrey, we're going... Nicholas! Here we go. Here's a little tyke. Oh. Okay, that's enough germs. Back oh, wait. Wait, wait, wait a minute. We, we haven't even seen him yet. Oh, go ahead. Breathe all over him. I don't care. <sighs> what, what is this? Some kind of sick practical joke? What are you talking about? He's got your eyes. Take that hideous thing away. Oh, now, come on. They all look like this at first. Uh, you see, when the baby uh, passes through the birth canal, its head uh, gets a little pointy. He should uh, round out in a couple days. Promise. That's not a baby. That's a Mr. Potato Head. Harry, call the hospital administrator. Hey, you're right. This is a Mr. Potato Head. Gosh, they're so lifelike. Yeah, anybody could have made this mistake. I'll be right back with the real Nicholas. Harry, what are they doing to us? No, no, no. Calm down, Brenda. Calm down. We don't want you to get postpartum anxiety. Now, as soon as we get our son, I'm going to report this quack. Thank God you took that assertiveness training course. Yeah. Here's the little tyke. <laughs> You've been a naughty little baby. Oh. Yes, you have playing peekaboo with mommy and daddy. About time. <laughs> Nick, it's your dad. He's got a strong, determined jaw, just like his old man there. <laughs> Whoops. Great, now you made him cry. I don't believe this. Is this okay? Would you rather would you rather breastfeed him? Get away from me! You. What kind of hospital is this? All right, Mr. and Mrs. Lamaz. You see, due to a slight clerical error, your son has been uh, temporarily misplaced. You lost our son? Did I say lost? I said misplaced. I'm suing you for, for malpractice, negligence, you name it. Oh, great. Just jump all over me, why don't you? Just jump all over me. What about the nine kids I didn't lose this week? My baby. What did they do with my baby? No, it's your fault. If you hadn't distracted me with all that video equipment in the delivery room, I might not have misplaced your little brat. Doctor, we found him. See? 
He was down the hall in the laundry oh. hamper. Oh. Oh. oh, it's beautiful. I hope you're both ashamed of yourselves. All this hysteria, when he was safe and sound not 20 feet from this very room. Doctor, you're doing surgery for that kidney transplant. Where's the donor organ? The donor organ? God, I had it with me when I left the house this morning. So once the studios heard about this film, they decided they at least needed some big-name actors involved. And that's where Michelle Pfeiffer came in. However, in order to get her to agree to be in the film, she insisted that her then-husband, Peter Horton, be able to direct a few skits. Next is Hair Looming, starring Joe Pantoliano and directed by Joe Dante. So before the feature movie of Amazon Women on the Moon, without commercial interruption, quote-unquote, we get this commercial about men's hair pieces, a new technology where carpet is used as the hair piece. This used to be me, old before my years, ignored by women, passed over for promotions. But now, all that has changed. Hi, I'm Cy Swerdlow, and I invented the patented process known as hair looming. If you suffer from premature hair loss, let our team of technicians visit you in the privacy of your home so there will be no embarrassment. You choose from our selection of over 200 colors and styles. Then your head will be carpeted with 100% pure acrylic fiber, completely natural looking. You can sleep in it, you can shower in it. It changed my life and it'll change yours. Call toll free 1-800-GET-HAIR. Next is our feature film, Amazon Women on the Moon, starring Bernie Casey, Sybil Danning, Lana Clarkson, and directed by Robert Weiss. So much like Kentucky Fried Movie, Amazon's centerpiece is a campy sci-fi film. However, due to technical difficulties, the film is interrupted very often. Now, this particular film isn't as good as the parody Fistful of Yen, which was in Kentucky Fried Movie, but it's fun if you like early sci-fi cheesiness. It cuts in and out through the film due to the technical difficulties, and the announcer promised these were solved, but of course they never were. Next is Blacks Without Soul, starring David Alan Greer, B.B. King, and directed by John Landis. This, even the title still cracks me up. This is probably my, one of my favorite skits. David Alan Greer is just priceless here. Nobody but him could make this skit as funny as it turned out. And then, of course, having B.B. King as a spokesperson is just the cherry on top. Tie a yellow ribbon round the old oak tree. It's been Forget about us, put the blame on me. Did you know that every seven minutes a black person is born in this country without soul? Hello, I'm B.B. King. Won't you help Don Simmons and the thousands of others that suffer from this tragic disorder? Its cruel symptoms can strike anyone. Let's take a look. I think the Republican Party has done one heck of a job. Don't you, June? I'll say Ward. We Republicans have turned this country around. 
<laughs> Safety and good mileage are the two things I looked for in a new car. That's why I bought a Volvo station wagon. Hi, I'm president of the David Hartman fan club here in Glendale. I've even met David Hartman once. What a neat guy. Chim chimney, chim chimney, chim chim cherry. A sweep is as lucky as lucky can be. Chim chimney, chim chimney, chim chim cherry. Good luck will rub off when I shake hands with you. This is B.B. King saying, won't you please give so that Don Simmons here and so many others can become useful members of society. Or below me a kiss and that's lucky too. Right to blacks without soul. Post Office Box 1305A, Atlanta, Georgia. Thank you. Next is called Two IDs, starring Roseanne Arquette, Steve Gutenberg, and directed by Peter Horton. Now, this skit, way ahead of its time. You know, now with online dating, everything you'll hear coming up in this skit seems completely legitimate today. And you gotta love the dot matrix paper circa 1987. Be right there. Karen? Hi. Hi, I'm Jerry Stone. Hi, Jerry. Nice meeting you. I'm sorry, I'm running a little bit late. Oh, don't worry about it. You look nice. Thank you. This is a great apartment. Thanks. Uh, I hope you like sushi. I made reservations at uh, Tokyo Rose on Columbus. Great. I hear it's terrific. Normally there's a waiting list, but I know the maitre d'. You know, I gotta tell you, I never go on blind dates. But, uh, I just have a feeling that this might be special. Jerry, before we leave, do me one small favor, will you? Sure, what? Would you mind showing me a credit card and a valid driver's license? You're kidding, why? Well, I'd like to run a couple compatibility check. What, what the heck is that? You know, Jerry, it's tough being a single girl in the big city. You meet all kinds of phonies and creeps. That's where this machine comes in handy. I just enter your ID and the central computer will tell me about your background. <laughs> I don't want a bank loan. I just want to take you out. <laughs> I know, but... I'd feel better running a check. Two IDs, please. You're serious? Let's just take a minute. This is ridiculous. But, uh... There's a... 316? It's a cute picture. MasterCard. I don't know how I ever got along without one of these. Changed my life. I feel the same way about my VCR. Oh, hey, right now I'm taping Sophie's Choice with Meryl Streep. I love Meryl Streep. Oh, I am so into her. Oh. Here it comes now. Very thorough. Yeah. <laughs> Great. What? 
What's, what's, uh-oh. Jerry. Does the name Debbie Rothenberg mean anything to you? Uh, Debbie Rothenberg, uh, oh yeah, yeah, I think I went out with her once or twice. You had sex with her on the second date, and then you never called her again. I hate when guys do that. It says all that? Does the phrase, you're not only beautiful, but you're someone I feel I can open up to mean anything to you? I'm not surprised uh, you've used that line in your last 16 look, dates. This is ridiculous. Debbie, uh, Karen, I think that we have something very special here. You're not like I the other women in the city. See what I mean? And Jerry, I could never get serious about someone who's selfish in bed. Who is selfish in bed? Well,. How would you describe a man who satisfies his own needs and rolls over and goes to sleep? I never did that in my life. Eleven times. You want names and dates? No, no, I do not. Look, hey, hold. Anyway, that is just a small fraction of the hundreds of times I've been intimate with women. We're exaggerating a little, aren't we, Jerry? I mean, the record only shows 21 sexual intimacies. Look, look, well, hey, well, this doesn't jive with my figures, okay, sweetie? Jerry, the statistics don't paint the picture of a mature man. Twelve times you ignored your date at a party to flirt with a more attractive woman. 169 times you feigned interest when a woman was talking about her career. And 17 occasions you lied to women telling them you were really into sushi and Meryl Street movies. Make that 18 times. Where, 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 where do they get these figures? As you can see, Jerry, it would be pointless for you and I to go out. Oh, yeah? Well, I'm going to get one of those machines and see how well you come off, okay? Good night, Jerry. It's early yet. Maybe you can still get lucky in a bar. Like you did last Thursday. <sighs> Hello, Beverly. Yeah? Hi. This is Jerry Stone. We met the other night at Dave's party. Oh! Hi! Hi! Listen, I know it's last minute, but I want to ask, are you free tonight? Uh, yeah. You are? Oh, great. Listen, um, I can pick you up in ten minutes. <laughs> sure, okay. Oh, oh, Jerry, um... Yeah? Could you bring a major credit card and a valid driver's license? Jerry? Next is Bullshit or Not, starring Henry Silva and directed by Joe Dante. Now, this skit sounds exactly like <laughs> what it would, something you would hear on YouTube or Netflix today, like Unsolved Mysteries or Ancient Aliens. But again, I think this movie was way ahead of its time. Extraterrestrials. Strange phenomena. Missing persons, lost continents, myths, and monsters. We examine these mysteries to determine, are they bullshit or not?
London's West End. Here, in the winter of 1888, a series of bizarre and violent murders occurred, which remain unsolved to this very day. Jack the Ripper. Was he a prosperous London surgeon? Perhaps a member of British royalty? Well, our bullshit team has unearthed spectacular new evidence which suggests that Jack the Ripper was, in fact, the Loch Ness Monster. Is it possible that Nessie murdered five streetwalkers before returning to Loch Ness? Using undiscovered evidence, we've pieced together the events leading up to the first murder. Although this is a bullshit reenactment, it may have happened just this way. Hello, dearie. Show you a good time for a quid. For the wife and for free. Oh, gents, don't you want a girl to keep you warm tonight? <sighs> Mum told me there would be nights like this. Oh, my. You are a big one now, aren't you? Come on, darling. Oh. <laughs> Mind you, don't you be stepping on my feet now. Aren't you in a hurry? Now, will you be careful? Not so rough. Wait a minute. <laughs> Is this the way it happened? Was Jack the Ripper, in fact, a 60-foot sea serpent from Scotland? Did I take this job for a quick buck? We may never know the answer to these questions. Next week. Hello, I'm Henry Silva. Ever since the Ocean Liner Titanic sunk on her maiden voyage in 1912, people have asked, how did it happen? Join me as we dramatically recreate the sinking of the great ocean liner, Titanic. Bullshit or not, you be the judge here on this station. So that Loch Ness monster prop was actually built from another film, so it was hilariously reused. For the TV edited version, the skit was renamed Baloney or Not. Next is Critics Corner. This is directed by Joe Dante. It's a parody of the classic movie reviewer team of Siskel and Ebert, just like what Ebert mentioned in his review. This time, much like with the Murray skit, the reviewers review the life of Harvey Pitnick, who is a middle-class schlub watching his TV on his recliner. This eventually leads to another skit coming up. Now, the two critics that were played in this skit were the comedy team of Loman and Barkley. To uh, recap the three movies that we reviewed this week here on Critics' Corner... Mark and I both gave a big thumbs up to the new Swedish film directed by uh, Olaf Svensson. Olaf Svensson called uh, The Winter of My Despondency. Haunting abstract symbolism. Arty crap. Now, Jonathan and I did split, however, on the newest teenage romp called Frat Slobs. Uh, Jonathan, I think, thought it to, to be uh, a light, frothy souffle sizzling with youthful energy. That I did. On the other hand, I thought it was pond scum. 
You're an albino. What the hell do you know? Now, we have a new feature we'd like to introduce on Critics' Corner. We hope you'll enjoy. We call it Real Life Reviews, in which we critique the life of an average person just like you. Uh, Jonathan, uh, we'll begin with a review of the life of Harvey Putnick. No, Pitnick. Pitnick Shh. of Skokie, Indiana. Uh, Illinois. Illinois. Harvey Pitnick. Bernice? Skokie, Illinois. Bernice, come here. They're talking about me on the television. Come here. Now, Harvey Pitnick uh, would hey, seem to have time. all the ingredients for a successful life. <laughs> you think so? So why does he fail so miserably? I don't know. Well, I think the problem is with Harvey himself. The hell is this? You know, you're right. It is Harvey. Very good, Jonathan. It is Harvey. So we're supposed to care about this Harvey Pitnick? <laughs> why? I mean, it takes him 30 years to develop any character at all. And by the time he does... Who cares? They're crucifying me. It's hardly worth the wait. He didn't like Gandhi either. Let me show you. Here's a scene from last year as Harvey is coming home from work. Oh, hi, Scraps. Hi, Dad. Hi, kids. How did they do this? Hi, honey. Hi, dear. Ooh. Potatoes. I didn't cons uh, I didn't consent for this to be on TV here. How was yours? Dinner will be ready in five minutes. Okay. Wow, some exciting home life, huh? And it goes on like that. Yeah, tediously, day in and day out. Where's the love? Where's the passion? Where's the uh, the examination of one's own existence. This is a poor excuse for a life. I give Harvey Pitnick a, a big thumbs down. Thumbs down? Well, I give him a thumbs down, too. But I didn't hate Harvey quite as oh. much as you, Jonathan. Oh, granted, his life was a miserable waste of time. <laughs> but I rather enjoyed the Kafkaesque touches. Here's a loser trapped in a dead-end job and a, a loveless marriage. How do they know that? Just anything to make this man human. And think of the money it took to bring him into the world. Oh, a ton. I mean, to feed him and to clothe him and then to educate him. And after all that, what have you got? You've got a big bore. A dull clod. An empty suit. And another thing, I was always one step ahead of this guy's life. There just were no surprises. Now, wait a minute. What about the ending of his life? Now, that came as a surprise. I ending. saw that coming a mile away. I didn't. What you ending? See, the high blood pressure. True. The lack of exercise. Calm down. Uh -huh. Calm the down. bad diet. Of course. By the time he finally has his heart attack in front of the TV, big deal. Heart attack. It's such a mundane. A heart attack. There could have been Wait, so many talking about heart attack. ways to die. Yes, I Wouldn't it have been more dramatic if, let's say, he'd fallen down an elevator you know shaft? It really should have happened. He what? should have died years earlier. True. Harvey. Maybe in a submarine accident. Harvey. It's just a terribly wasted oh life. Possibly a giant Harvey. squid. Something to add a little science fiction to it. To it's a tragic waste, but who cares? Oh, well, I see our time is up. We want to thank you very much for joining us on Critics' Corner. Hope you'll be back next week when we'll have an aisle seat reserved just for you. Bye-bye. There's so many things he could have done. For one thing, he could have had a better haircut, don't you think? Next is Silly Pate, played by T.K. Carter and directed by Robert Weiss. This is a spoof commercial where the pate is like Silly Buddy. It even picks up your favorite comic strip before you eat it. 
Next is Roast Your Love One, directed by Joe Dante and features many classic stand-up comedians from the early years. This is a callback of the earlier bit of Critics Corner. So after the brutal review of Harvey Picknick and his life, Harvey ended up having a heart attack and he died. This bit is located at Harvey's funeral, and they get all these legendary stand-up comedians from the 50s and 60s there to roast Harvey at his funeral. However, his wife, played by Joe Dante regular Belinda Belaski, she actually gets the biggest laughs. Time, Mrs. Finney. Do I have to? Yeah, we need the room again at four. Is Harvey here? Yeah, yeah. He's in repose. He looks great. Okay, let's move along. That's right. Just relax, Mrs. Pitnick. You're young. You'll you'll meet someone. Send the kids to camp. That's what I do. Okay, family up front on the left. I guess that's it. Everything's taken care of. Everything. And the buffet to die. Hey, Skeeter. Cute stuff. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a wake. So let's have fun with it, huh? Come on, everybody, have a great time. Welcome to the O'Leary Funeral Home, where many of the nation's top comedians have gathered to roast our guest of honor, the late Harvey Pittman. Thank you, ladies and mourners. <laughs> That's all right, Harvey. Don't get up. <laughs> anyway, be that as it may, and I doubt if it was, tonight we are here to pay tribute to a close personal friend, Harvey Pupik. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Pitnick. Harvey Pitnick. Harvey was a man, my friends, who was the same in life as he is in death. A stiff. <laughs> But uh, all seriousness aside, we are going to lay two things to rest. Harvey Pitnick and the rumor that Charlie Callis is funny. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, a very funny man, Charlie Callis. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Harvey, keep it down. <laughs> 
Today, ladies and gentlemen, we're here to pay homage to the late Harvey Potemkin. Bestaven. Or Schmoll, whatever. Who cares? Does it matter now? And if Harvey were alive today, he'd be a very sick man. <laughs> we had, I'm sorry to make this announcement, we had two disappointments tonight. Milton Berle could not make it, and Rip Taylor could. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Rip Taylor. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much, Steve. Charlie said, Harvey, keep it down. Thank you. Oh, well, there goes that act. The president couldn't be here, Harvey, so he sent a wire. <laughs> Tell him it's a, never mind. Was this an audience or a funeral? Now, pay attention, please. But I'm a little nervous because Harvey was a personal friend of mine, and there's not a person in this room that Harvey Pitnick did not touch. I must say, he touched me for 40 bucks and Steve for 20. <laughs> Yo, folks, I don't dance. This is it, you see. But I do feel for his widow, Bernice. That was a romantic marriage. She learned everything about sex from Emmanuel. Emmanuel was their gardener. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm going to wrap it up now, folks, because you know the old axiom in show business. Get off quick, <laughs> like Harvey on his wedding night. <laughs> Could you die? I gotta go. Goodbye. Thank you, Eddie Youngwood, for that trip down memory lane. And now, <laughs> but seriously, Henny, you were never funnier, and it's a shame. But I was asked to say a couple of words about Harvey. How about ugly and cheap? <laughs> Harvey wrote his will on his cock. And his lawyer said it will not stand up in court. <laughs> okay, Mrs. Pitney, you're on. You're on. Oh, no. Oh, no, I'm really kidding. You're the widow. You've got to give Harvey's rebuttal. But in conclusion, I'd like to say congratulations, Harvey. Rigor Mortis is the closest you ever come to a hard-on in 15 years. I thank you. Harvey himself is going to throw in his two cents as soon as we take him off his eyelids. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't get it. And now for the rebuttal on behalf of our guest of honor, his lovely widow, Bernice. And nothing's changed, Harvey. She's still going to be doing all the talking. <laughs> Bernice Pittman. Thank you, Merv. I mean, Steve. <laughs> now, well, I would like to inject a serious note, as uh, Henny Youngman did earlier. <laughs> I want to say to Harvey, my late husband, as I look down at you, Lying there motionless. I can only think of one thing. Our wedding night. 
I'll never forget my, my last moments with Harvey as I, as I took him into my arms and I whispered those three little words. Sign the will. <laughs> but seriously, I'm glad to see Slappy White here today. Now at least I know my hubcaps are safe. <laughs> and Rip Taylor, is that a toupee or did a beaver curl up and die in your head? <laughs> As I look at Henny Youngman today, I'm not so sure we're bearing the right guy. Now, this wake was such a hit, it was carried over for a second week. Now, Jackie Vernon's lines were cut because his shtick was so slow-burned, deadpan jokes, it just didn't work for the bit that was so fast-paced. And also, the first cut of the roast was over 20 minutes long because they had so much great material, but ultimately, it had to be shortened to about nine minutes. Also, you'll probably miss him because it's in the bonus features, but there's a brief scene with Brian Cranston, who was very early on in his career, but it's a deleted scene. Of course, Brian Cranston, now famous for Breaking Bad. We then get a great callback to Don, Noel Soul Simmons. <laughs> At last, the greatest album of love songs ever recorded. You'll want to share them with someone special. Why do birds suddenly appear? Sung by the man who turned Every a personal affliction into a recording career. Don No Soul Simmons. Just like me, they long to be close to you. Why do stars fall down from the sky every time? You walk by Just like me They long to be Close to you Keep been sitting there and So curl up by the fireside And listen to the non-threatening music Of this master showman And honey, I miss you And I'm being good I'd love to be with you If only I could Say, has anybody seen my sweet gypsy rose? Here's her picture when she was my sweet man Young lovers of any age will cherish this timeless collection of the world's most romantic ballads. And if you act now, you'll get free this bonus album, Don Simmons, Down and Punky. Jeremiah was a bullfrog, was a good friend of mine. Never understood a single word he said This two-record collection is not available in any stores, so order now. Yes, he always had some mighty fine wine. Next is Video Pirates, featuring William Marshall, of course, a Blackula fame, and was directed by Robert Weiss. This is a skit where we think we're watching an old swashbuckler film like Errol Flynn used to star in. 
Now these pirates are stealing bootleg videotapes for quite a profit. So those that used to laugh at that FBI warning that appeared on all videotapes and eventually DVDs uh, before the film started will get a kick out of the I'm so scared line. <laughs> Ironically, streaming today has basically killed movie theaters and many other things. Oh, bye, gum captain. All the latest home videos in beta and VHS. I so, so current, they're still in theatrical release. Help yourself, mates. A chest full of video discs. No! Oh, what good are they? Can't record on them. They're not compatible with my system. Captain! This was locked. Stand back. Gather all my buckles and feast your eyes on this. Make all the illegal copies you want. Put it on. Aye, aye, Captain. Next is Son of the Invisible Man, starring Ed Begley Jr. and directed by Carl Gottlieb. Now, if you're a fan of the classic Universal Monster films of the 30s and 40s, this will likely be uh, your favorite bit. Ed Begley Jr. recreates the scene from the original Invisible Man with Claude Rains, with the punchline being that he's really not invisible at all. He's completely visible, but he runs naked throughout the village. The villagers humor him that he's just that wacky, invisible scientist. Next is Art Sale, directed by Carl Gottlieb. A famous art museum lost its lease, so all priceless works must go. <laughs> Gauguin, Rembrandt, Renoir, Da Vinci, all must go. You might expect to pay millions, but you can never have your very own priceless work of art for just $19.99. Every Van Gogh must go. Next is First Lady of the Evening, starring Angel Tompkins and directed by Robert Weiss. So this is a promo for one of those 80s-style trashy romance novels of that era. The First Lady has a sinful past. <laughs> Easy to read, with big type and no big words. Next is Titan Man, with Kelly Preston, Matt Adler, who is Lewis in Teen Wolf, Ralph Bellamy, Howard Hessman, and Steve Cropper as the autograph seeker. Of course, was in Booker T and the MGs and the Blues Brothers. And it was directed by Robert Weiss. This is every teenager's nightmare. Buying condoms for the first time. Matt Adler ends up being the unexpected poster boy of the brand. And you'll also notice Don, no soul Simmons, playing on the car radio. Look, <laughs> Violet, why do you say we go park out by the lake? My glands are out of control. Well, okay, Georgie. But are you prepared? I've been preparing myself for 17 years. That's not what I meant. Pull over to that drugstore. Georgie. Make sure you ask for Titans. Those are the best. Hello, George. How are you? Oh, hi, Mr. Gower. I, uh, I didn't think you worked nights. My uh, nightman took sick. What can I do for you? We're having a sale on shaving cream. 
What am I saying? You're not old enough to shave yet. I haven't shaved since March. See? Hey, I better call your mom right now and thank her for the preserves she brought over to us. Uh, not now. I mean, I, I mean, don't bother. I, I'll give her the message for you. I bet I know what you want. You do? Sure. I was young once. Liquor sticks. They came in fresh this morning. Mr. Gower, I'm 17 years old. Already? Seems like only yesterday your mom was in here buying talc to powder your little bottom. <laughs> uh, look. Never mind. Thanks. Almost forgot what I came in for. Tube of toothpaste and a box of items. Toothpaste and what? Box of Titans. You have to speak up, George. Titans. I want a box of Titan condoms. <gasps> George! And to think you were an altar boy. Did say Titans. Oh, only about four times. Thanks, Mr. Gower. President of Titan Condoms. Congratulations, young man. You are our one billionth customer. Victors. Look, thanks, but uh, I really gotta go. That's a fast kid. We've been planning this for months. It's really not necessary. Tell me, George, how long have you been using our fine Titan products? Uh, you could uh, say well, I never use anything else. Great quote. Are you getting all of this? Hey, you're not gonna use my name, are you? <laughs> Modesty, I like it. You could give Titans that wholesome image we're looking for. Do you know what you're doing to me? The entire town's gonna know about this. You'll be a household name, George. Just like Bip, our Titan mascot. Pictures, pictures. Hi, George. Hi, everybody. Hey, George, will you autograph a box for me? <laughs> Get used to that, George. More good news, George. Even as we speak, your parents are racing here to join you in your moment of Titan triumph. My parents? Are you nuts? I'm not even supposed to have the car. Make sure you airbrush out the kids' acne, okay? George, as a token of our thanks, we'd like you to have this lifetime supply of Titans. Thank you, Connie. All I wanted was one. Violet! George, I can tell you're as excited as we are. As you begin this, your year-long reign as our Titan King. Next is Video Date, starring Mark McClure, Russ Meyer, and Andrew Dice Clay. Directed by John Landis. 
So we're taken to Tower Video, just like Tower Records back in the day, where Mark McClure, who you might remember as Jimmy Olsen in the Superman movies with Christopher Reeve, he ends up on a nightmare date, which was supposed to just be virtual. Now, famed B-movie director Russ Meyer plays the video store clerk, and this skit is basically an homage to Meyer's TNA film career. Again, this sketch was just ahead of its time. Today, it would be considered augmented reality. Yeah, you. Come here. Yeah? Saturday night. Yeah? Ain't got a date. What's your name, kid? Ray? Ray? from you, Ray. 
You think I care about a loser like Ray? I did it to hurt you. Did it to hurt me? Well, your cheating days are over, street me. Raggy, what are you doing with that gun? I'm gonna teach you and this little know-nothing wimper lesson. That's what I'm doing with the gun. No, Raggy! I love you. I've always loved you. You think I enjoyed going to bed with a worm like oh, Shut up, worm! Your history, Sherry! <laughs> Satisfied, Ray? Hmm? Happy now, buddy? Well, you're gonna have to live with that guilt for the rest of your life. And you know what else, Ray? You're gonna have to live with this, too. Freeze! You have the right to remain silent. If you give up the right to remain silent, anything you say can and will be used against you in the court of law. You have the right to speak with an attorney and have an attorney present at the time of question. Oh, poor Ray. Taken away in handcuffs, but at least we can lighten the mood with some more Don No Soul Simmons for the closing credits. And then we see Murray for the last time. I was at a dance when she caught my eye Standing all alone Looking sad and shy We began to dance Swaying to and fro And soon I knew I'd never let her go Blame it on the bossa nova With its magic spell Blame it on the bossa nova That she did so well Oh, it all began with just one little dance But soon it ended up a big romance Blame it on the bossa nova Dance of love Blame it on the bossa nova With its magic spell Blame it on the bossa nova That she did so well Oh, it all began with just one little dance But soon it ended up a big romance Blame it on the bossa nova The dance of love However, we're not done yet we get a hilarious parody of those social disease films shown in health class way back when. So this skit is called Reckless Youth with Carrie Fisher, who is just excellent, and directed by Joe Dante. So there's a foreword which says, Even in this modern era, a fragile curse continues to spread across our land. Something so horrible, it can only be referred to as the social disease. The following story is of one such victim and how the excesses of youth ruined her life. Let's call her Mary Brown. Mary Brown? Yes? Sit down, Mary Brown. Thank you, Doctor. Mary, I've been going over your tests. How did a nice girl, like you, come to contract a social disease? Then my worst fears are confirmed. 
Oh, the shame of it. <laughs> now, now. You are unclean. But there's always hope. Tell me how you went astray. Tell me everything. I won a beauty contest here in Iowa. I thought I'd try my luck in New York. It wasn't like Iowa at all. And then I met a theatrical agent. Gosh, that sure is different than the sarsaparilla we have back home. Well, we like a little more sass in our career. Now, Mary, I didn't get you up here to dish out a lot of hooey. Oh, that's all right. I already had lunch. You see, there's a social side to this business we call show. Now, uh, let me see your gams. What? I was humiliated, though oddly excited. He told me he could spot fresh talent and sent me to see a colleague of his named Dutch Monaghan. Turned out to be a wild party. Here. Dunk your whiskers in this, sister. You guys sure like your sarsaparilla in this town. Get her. Shut your trap or I'll box your ears off. Keep your hands off me, you big palooka. That was my first exposure to New York intellectuals. Gee whiz, my first sophisticated New York party. Which one is Cole Porter? When you realized that your body had been rendered impure, what did you do? I made another foolish blunder. I married my high school sweetheart, Ken. My shameful affliction was exposed at last when Ken began showing symptoms of the disease. Goodbye, honey. I'm going to work. Goodbye. <sighs> Ken, what's wrong? Oh, my eyes. Had my sinful ways caught up with me? Had I inflicted Ken with my secret shame? Ken's vision began to affect his work. Mike! Sorry! Ah, today's reckless youth, with your fast roadsters and your rumble seats. I want to show you something, Mary Brown, for your own good. Take a look at the germs that have ravaged your system. Come now with me to the clinic. What you are going to see here is not pleasant. I didn't realize we had such specialized clinics here in Iowa. When science is on the march, nothing can stand in its way. Who is that pitiful creature? Let's call him Pete Jones. Pete's first troubles were with smoking cigarettes and drinking beer, weren't they, Pete? Get back! We don't have any cigarettes! Sad, isn't it? I've seen enough, Doctor. I know you have. But have you? 
resist temptation, or you may end up like Pete and Mary and Ken. So, Reckless Youth was almost cut out, but Joe Dante pleaded that would be a good end credits type of thing. And actually, it's one of the more memorable skits in the film. According to John Landis, the reason it's at the end is because it's the funniest skit. And every place they put it in the film, the following skits then fell flat. Now, Dante hadn't worked with Carrie Fisher yet at this point, but Landis had a working relationship with her back to the Blues Brothers. And Dante really enjoyed working with her, and then she was later cast in the movie The Burbs with Tom Hanks, which we covered on this podcast. All right, you know, Amazon Women on the Moon, it's for fans of sketch comedy or silly comedy and parodies, or they love Kentucky Fried Movie or Airplane. I think most have already seen the classic Airplane film from 1980, but this is a forgotten gem. And for those that missed out on it back in the day, just go check it out. All right, there were some deleted scenes. The original opening, which was directed by Robert Weiss, uh, it had an old-timey scientist giving an intro about the moon, which then goes into the title card of Amazon Women on the Moon. There was The Unknown Soldier, directed by Peter Horton. And actually, it makes sense why it was cut out. It just wouldn't fit in the final film. It's not immediately funny. It's really a slow burn. Basically, a soldier is brought in from the front lines into a commander's tent and is told that they need an unknown soldier, and therefore they need a volunteer to be one. So the soldier must commit suicide. The next deleted scene was before Roast Your Loved One, Robert Bricardo, who's the owner of the show, he shows up at Belinda Belaski's house after her husband has just died to try to convince her to do the roast for the funeral, which of course she does. Lastly, it was the French ventriloquist dummy, played by Dick Miller, who was a staple of Joe Dante films. Of course, this was directed by Joe Dante. So Dick Miller sent a French dummy, and the jokes are end up being told in French. But all is not lost. Hey-ho! <laughs> One minute to magic time, Danny boy. There's a great crowd out there. You're going to kill them. <laughs> yeah, Murray. We're going to kill them. Hello, sweetheart. <laughs> oh, telegram. Okay, Dave, wake up. Time to go to work. Oh, that brought again. That's the one that gave us the rash. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. This isn't Dave. Wait, wait, wait. What do you mean it ain't Dave? Look! Must have picked up the wrong case at the airport. Oh, well, uh, dummy's a dummy, right? For you it is. Uh oh, there's the intro. Well, look at this way. At least he knows his lines. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Danny Clayton and his pal Dave. Thank you. You're a great audience. Aren't they, Dave? I said, uh, is this a good audience? <clears throat> How do you like your hotel room? Je ne parle pas anglais. That's Dave showing off with his high school French again. You were, uh, you were telling me before your hotel room was kind of small. How small is it? Où est mon partenaire, Jacques? What with the French? Go to the jokes. You're going to lose the crowd. Dave was telling me earlier that his hotel room is so small that when he closes the door, the doorknob gets into bed with him. 
Je veux savoir pourquoi je suis ici. I apologize, ladies and gentlemen. We uh, just came back from the ventriloquist convention in Paris. There was a mix-up in the luggage, and I wound up with a French partner. I'm afraid I can't go on with the act. Excuse me. I believe I can help. I happen to have an interpreter dummy with me. Oh. 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 What a break. Would you come up here, please? Oh, Let's give her a hand, ladies and gentlemen. Vegas, not Omaha. Okay, so uh, tell me, Dave. Dites-moi, Dave. Je ne m'appelle pas Dave. Je m'appelle Pierre. He says his name is not Dave. It is Pierre. All right, Pierre. So tell me, Pierre, how do you like your hotel room? Comment est votre chambre? Quelle chambre? Je ne suis pas sorti de ma valise depuis Paris. He says, what hotel room? He has not been outside the suitcase since leaving Paris. That was the straight line. Doesn't he know any hotel jokes? Vous ne connaissez pas des blagues sur les hôtels? Je ne fais pas des plaisanteries douteuses. Je suis un artiste sérieux, moi. Look, I hate to break up this UN debate, but I'm trying to do an act here. He says that he does not do cheap vaudeville jokes, but works in the higher form of character comedy. <laughs> Look, Pierre, I'm sorry if this is beneath you, but we're not doing Molière. This audience wants some yaks. Yaks? Qu'est-ce que c'est yaks? Pierre, comment ça se fait que tous réagissent après des filles et pas moi? You know, the famous current ventriloquist is Jeff Dunham. He could definitely use this sketch. All right, we have a special guest. It is the great Ian Wadley from the Rock and Metal Comeback podcast. He's always hilarious. And, of course, he would love a cult classic like Amazon Women on the Moon. So that's what we talk about. And I'll be back next week to talk about yet another random movie from my DVD collection. All right, we are back with the great Ian Wadley. Welcome back, Ian. Yeah, uh, don't say the great. It sets the bar too high. Just just say Ian Wadley. The mediocre Ian Wadley. Yeah, there you go. See, now I'll be really funny and I'll look even better. That's right. That's right. You could say the same thing about this movie, possibly, because it's it, for some it's hit and miss. I would have to assume that you were a huge fan of Kentucky Fried Movie, obviously a huge fan of Airplane. This film is right up you know, in that vein, uh, but very few people saw this in the theater. So how, did you actually see this in the theater when it came out? Yes, I did. God damn, I found but, someone. Yes, yes, I was the one guy. I was the one guy. And, uh, and I mean that seriously. I think I was the only guy in the theater. Well, me, <laughs> me and my dad. No, I was raised on Kentucky Fried Movie. God, I remember seeing an old, old VHS of that in the early 80s. And it'd be something me and my dad would rent regularly. Because we didn't really, you know, they didn't really show it on HBO. You know, you just had to find a cool video store that had it. Yeah. And and I just memorized that movie. And I just love the, you know, the Zucker's sense of humor. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
you know, I grew up airplane is still in my top three comedies of all time. Oh yeah. And, and uh, so I was waiting for this to come out and uh, I absolutely love it. Uh, and I know a lot of people are like, well, it's no Kentucky fried movie, but, I mean, what else could be? I mean, no. that was just so, you know. I mean, there was other stuff that came out around that time that was similar, like the Groove Tube and stuff like that. Sure. But, you know, pound for pound, Kentucky Fried Movie just buried it. You know, I I, I absolutely love this movie, and I wish they'd make more. You know, I, I even like, you know, a movie notoriously hated, uh, Movie 43. Mm-hmm, yeah. Which yeah. Was the the Farley brothers trying to do their version of it and, right. and again you know is is that as good as kentucky fried movie or even amazon women on the moon no no but there's there's still plenty of shit i laughed at in it and i don't think it deserves near the hate that it gets mm-hmm. uh you know but i i just love this type of movie i love this type of humor uh you know i i love lowbrow sure. you know and i love politically incorrect and uh it doesn't get much more lowbrow politically correct than those three movies that's right uh, but but this one i i thought was it was it was great it was you know i couldn't ask for much more you know but again this was one where a lot of people didn't know this well a lot of people didn't of course didn't see it at the theaters no some people discovered it on hbo mm-hmm. uh, you know but this took a long time I think it's it's finally out on Blu-ray now. I need to get. I think Kino Lorber put it out. They did. I got uh, it. Yep. Yeah. I I still have. I have the. Uh, what is it? Universal. Yes. DVD. I think. Yeah, yeah. I have the DVD. But no, I need to pick this one up. But in fact, on the the next Kino Lorber sale, I will I will definitely pick this up. <laughs> it's definitely uh, worth it. The the bonus stuff is great. You're gonna love it. How's how's the transfer? Is it a good transfer? Oh, I think it was. Yeah, I think it was terrific. It can't be any worse. Yeah. <laughs> so usually, yeah. very, especially now, I think uh, with with these studios, they they really do a good transfer. The initial transfers when the Blu-ray first came out, it was sometimes spotty. Yeah, well, yeah, a lot of those, you know, it, uh, hell, there's some Blu-rays that the DVDs look better. Yeah, uh, exactly. But 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 those are mostly the ones from the big studios. Because it was just like a cookie cutter press, they didn't care. They were just putting out product, and uh, a lot of times they ju- the the source they would use is the DVD. You yes. know where, where where now, especially with these boutique labels, they're going back. You know, and they're getting the best interpositive they can get. You know, the best prints. But uh, yeah, Kino Lorber's a, a company I've been very happy with. I've just picked up. I got a lot of. Uh, uh, Charles Bronson movies that they did uh, two two K scans and four K scans mm-hmm. that just look amazing compared to anything else you know you saw on TV or or on VHS and I got uh, Kino Lorber did uh, Night Gallery yeah season one and it looked amazing I got season two coming they did uh, the Kolchaks and they, it's like seeing them for the first time I bought the Kolchak the Night Stalker series on uh, DVD Universal put it out. Yep, I have. and I mean, I mean, it was better than what you see on MeTV, but not much, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, but the 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 Blu-ray is just incredible. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I need to pick this one up because uh, I I do I love this movie. It's just it's so stupid and <laughs> hilarious, and you know you got 
John Landis worked on this, I believe. Let's get through it. I'll, I'll go through them, and I'll just get your thoughts, I'll, I'll, and we'll go through each skit. Um, so the first one's Mondo Condo, which is directed by uh, John Landis, and it's basically Arsenio Hall before anyone knew Arsenio Hall. So how did you feel? How did you <laughs> like this one? <laughs> is that the one? Uh, and I'm trying. It's been a long time since sure, I've sure. seen this movie. This, he's basically, uh, everything goes wrong for him. It's like yeah, a like, Looney Tunes cartoon. Yeah, like like uh, he, he catches on fire and all kinds of shit. Yeah, his uh, tie gets yeah. caught in the garbage disposal. Yeah, uh, I, I thought it was it was funny. Uh, I, I like Arsenio Hall in small doses, and it's a small dose, so it works out <laughs> perfect. Uh, no, the one, I, the I, one I, I'm guessing, well, I loved, everyone loved because it was pre-internet is the penthouse video, which is the the woman yeah. basically walking around naked everywhere. <laughs> yeah. You know, that harkens back to like, yeah, high school girls in trouble. Right. And, you know, and, <laughs> you know, what, what teenage boy isn't going to like that segment, you know? Yeah. And, 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 and that's who this is aimed at, you know, and that type of sense of humor and that. I think in most people, if if you still have a sense of humor, there's always going to be that 13 or 14 year old boy inside you. Oh, uh, <laughs> you know, especially if you're a Catholic priest. But uh, <laughs> I knew it was coming. Hey, yo! <laughs> but uh, no, no, that's that's great. You know, that's that's kind. Of, you know, reminds me of of being a young kid and and trying to look at the the nudie channels on cable, and they were all fuzzy. Scrambled. Yep. Yeah, you know, you'd hope it come unscrambled so you might see a nipple or something. That's right. I, I, my favorite, there are two of my favorites, and we'll, we'll go through them, are Blacks Without Soul with Oh, Amy yes. <laughs> and David yes. Alexander is so good. And uh, and Reckless Youth with uh, Carrie Fisher, which ends it. So how, how do you feel about those? Oh, yeah, th- those those are incredible. David Allen Greer is so underrated. Oh, yeah. He, so funny. Such an important member of, you know, the original Living Color. Uh you know, and he's done a bunch of different shit, and he's always, always hilarious. Uh, doesn't get near enough credit. And I, I think he does, like, he's been on some TV shows and shit since 90s and early 2000s. But, uh, no, nah, it, it was a great skit, you know. Tie a yellow ribbon round <laughs> the old oak tree. Uh, I, I mean, I, I still have coworkers that, that I, I claim that against them. <laughs> you know, like, I'm going to take your black card. Yeah, no soul. No, great skit. Hilarious. And then Re- Reckless Youth is so funny because it goes back to those old reel to reel films you had to watch in like health class about, you know, right. diseases. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I miss those. <laughs> I, I should have paid attention. I know. <laughs> uh, were there yeah. any others that, that stood out, or do you, do you want me to throw some out there for you? Uh, I like the one with uh, Michelle Pfeiffer and Peter Horton and Griffin Dunn. Yes, uh, the hospital. Yeah, yeah, with with the baby. <laughs> it has got like a. It's a. That's not my baby. That's a Mr. Potato Head. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I love that one. Um, and and then uh, of course the Amazon wom- women on the moon skit. Sure, I love it with uh, Sybil Danning and the sci-fi. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I love that one. I don't have to refresh my memories on some of the other ones. Well, yeah, I'll kind of go. I'll go through them quick. So there's the hair looming okay. with uh, Joey Pants, <laughs> directed by Joe Dante, where he basically it's a it's a carpet uh, instead of a toupee. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember that. Uh, the That's one cool. that 
really kind of holds up today because it's totally like internet dating is the two IDs. So you have Rosanna Arquette and Steve Gutenberg, um, oh, where she does oh, a yeah, background yeah. check on them. That really holds up today more than ever. Yeah, and I've had that happen. True story. True story. <laughs> Video Twice. pirates is kind of, <laughs> Video pirates is kind of. Um, that one is hit or miss because people don't remember the FBI. But the great part is yeah. William, William Marshall is the the main actor, and he he was yeah, Black yeah, Blackula. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I love Son of an Invisible Man, uh, where you know it's uh, Egg Begley Jr. not really invisible, but he thinks he is. Every yeah, around. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Another very underrated actor, Egg Begley Jr. Yeah, hilarious, hilarious. Yeah, it's great. So, yeah, so that's I mean, we just kind of went through some of the main skits. I, 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 I'm I, not sure it's not as good as Kentucky Fried Movie or it's a little different. Um, it's not like Airplane because it's not a feature length film. But I think if you're into sketch comedy, I think people should really see this. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think it's great. I, I think I mean, they just took so many chances with Kentucky Fried Movie and didn't care who they offended. Yeah. And I, I, I think that's. If, if there is any drawback is that this one isn't as offensive as as a Kentucky Fried movie. Right. And that's a that's a bad thing. It should be offensive. It should be <laughs> sexist and racist. It, when done properly, that shit is hilarious. Yeah. You know, yeah. and and, and there, there's ways to do it without being mean spirited and, and, and still be funny, you know. And um, yeah, you, you could tell, you know, I mean, again, this was uh, universal put this out, you know, yeah. so universal, you know, at, at that stage in the late eighties, weren't going to let them go as, as crazy as, you know, Kentucky fried movie, which was independent. Yeah. But, um, but it, it's definitely, definitely worth uh, checking out. And I would even recommend it as a blind buy to anybody, you know, sure. Uh, you, you know, take a chance on it. Kino Lorber, uh, they have sales multiple times a year. Uh, and, and like really good. Well, what I love about Kino Lorber is their stuff is the most affordable out of all the boutiques. I mean, totally. some of this, you know, some of this shit can be so expensive, like Synapse and Vinegar Syndrome, uh, Blue Underground. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, there, there's certain movies you're going to be paying close to 50 bucks for. Oh, easily. Uh, but Kino Lorber's, uh, you can always get very reasonable. And I would recommend go on their website because a lot of times you'll get shit uh, cheaper going through Kino Lorber than if you go on Amazon. Oh, absolutely. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, I pre-ordered season two, a night gallery and, mm -hmm. and that's uh, season one was, was, it was like a replacement show. You know, it was only half a season. Um, so season two is a lot more episodes, a lot more discs and it was going for a hundred bucks on Amazon for a pre-order and you could get it on Kino for like 55. Wow. So yeah, it's a hell of a difference. Yeah. Uh, these Charles, these Charles Bronson ones, I uh, just got, you go on, uh, Amazon, they were going for 25, 27. I got them for 17 through Kino Lorber mm -hmm. and Am Amazon women in the moon has been out for a while. So I bet you'd like the next sale, you could probably get it for between 10 to 17 bucks. And oh, it's, it, it's, it's, Oh, definitely worth a worth a blind buy. Even even if there's no special features, just to have the movie. Hell yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, 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 it's great. Highly recommended. Yeah. Highly recommended. And if you haven't seen, uh, 
you know, Kentucky Fried movie, you know, why? Yeah. Definitely go get that one. And I would even I would even go if you can get it cheap, uh movie forty three. There you, you know? go. I, mm-hmm. I laughed at it. No, I did too. I did too. Uh, again, thank you for doing this, Ian. We're introducing people to movies they may have, you know, not seen, and and I think that's that's important. Awesome, glad to be here. Thanks, man. If you are ever in the San Francisco Bay Area and still love collecting or renting DVDs or VHS tapes, come check out Captain Video and San Mateo at 2837 South El Camino Real. Captain Video is open six days a week and closed on Wednesday and one of the last traditional video stores still running in the United States. New movies you can rent for $2.99 a day. Old movies you can rent for $2.99 for five days. And if renting isn't your thing, you can also purchase anything you find in the store. Be sure to tell Ira that you heard about Captain Video from the Damn Good Movie Memories podcast. Happy renting and happy collecting at Captain Captain Video. Video. Come hang out and chill with Brian A. Davis and the Bad Beat. Wednesdays, 11 p.m. Eastern, right here on ThatMetalStation.com.